Amen. Good morning, family. Good to see you this morning. Sometimes because we know uh, the words of a song, just hearing uh, the music is such a way of glorifying God. There are so many ways we show God glory in every aspect of our lives. Amen? And uh, Luke chapter 2 is a scene in there's a proclamation that says, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people he favors. That came from the angels as the Christ babe laid in a manger. And just imagine what the angels were experiencing for a minute as they brought God glory as he lied there. It, it wasn't for their salvation. It was for ours. He uh, is laying there as a helpless babe, becoming one of his creatures, uh, coming into his creation. These same angels saw Jesus in all his majesty and had been celebrating and bringing him glory for years and years and millennia beforehand. It, it is just mind-boggling to comprehend that they would be there celebrating him, hearing what this plan of salvation would one day be, and now it's coming about. And this baby laying in a manger, and so often people just leave him there. But it is, this is our champion who has come to the earth. This is our God who has come into his creation to redeem man to himself. And just to think about that, he was king before. He was king in that manger, and he is king forevermore. This morning's sermon is titled, Show Your Love. Uh, God put on such a display of what love looked like. We know that God is love, and he showed his love. Our text this morning is going to be found in John chapter 15. We're going to be reading from verse 9 to verse 17. I'll be reading out of the Christian Standard Bible this morning. Would you please stand for the reading of God's Word? Again, we're in John chapter 15, starting at verse 9, and it reads this way. As the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Remain in my love. If you keep my commands and if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you these things so, so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. This is my command. Love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this to lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I do not call you servants anymore because a servant doesn't know what, a, what his master is doing. I've called you friends because 
I have made known to you everything I have heard from my father. You didn't choose me, but I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce fruit and that your fruit should remain so that whatever you ask in the father in my name, he will give you. This is what I command you, love one another. We thank you, Lord, because what you have commanded us to do, you have equipped us to do. What you have commanded us to do, your son Jesus followed, and he loved us, and we have that love displayed in every aspect of our lives. And as we celebrate in this season, your love was displayed by you coming into your creation and ransoming your people and rescuing us. And for that, we give you glory the way the angels have given you glory. This is a salvation for us. We glorify you this morning, Lord. Give us a glimpse of what it means to be loved in this fashion because it is beyond our comprehension. Would you do that for your people this morning, Lord? Feed us our daily bread. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. The, the text uh, starts out, and, and we're going to stay on this point for a bit of the sermon. As the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. In, in other words, I love you the same way the Father loved me. I love you the same way the Father loves me. What a comparison. Who can fathom the depths of love that God the Father has for God the Son? That, that, that is something that we can't even comprehend, and yet Jesus is saying, the way the Father loves me, I love you in that way. That's something that we have to consider for a while. We just can't read something like that and let it pass and just say, okay, God uh, loves us, uh, Jesus loves us the same way the Father loves the Son. Okay, let's, let's move on. No, no, no. We, we need to, to ponder that. We need to consider what that means. The love that the Father has for the Son, number one is is eternal. Uh, it was uh, just the, the Trinity from eternity past. And there was perfect love between them. Way before we were thought of, way before there were angels, there was the Trinity existing in eternity past, and there was perfect love between the Godhead. The Father loves the Son. The Son that the Father is loving is perfect. Right? The, the, the Father loves the Son, and this Son that He is loving, 
he is perfect. And there is nothing in the Son that is unlovable. He's perfect. And he's loved perfectly. And then the Son, in return, loves the Father. Well, the Father is perfect. There is, there is nothing in the Father not to love. He is perfect. And the Father and the Son share that love with the Spirit. And it has been this way since eternity past. And then he says, and that's how I love you. Well, one thing I could tell you is um, you're not perfect. You're far from perfect, and, and so am I. Like, we're real far from perfect. So, so when we consider this love that the Trinity had, the Father loving the Son this way, and now he's saying to an imperfect being, I love you with that kind of love. Not only are you imperfect, uh, it might be like, hey, um, you know, I'm, I'm uh, whatever, uh, have a scar on my nose. Or, that's not the kind of imperfect we're talking about. Those are, are imperfections, but we're talking about um, in character. Uh, and how you would reciprocate on that love. Matter of fact, um, we're rebels. We, we went totally against God. And in the same way that the Father loves the Son, the Son loves those rebels. Those that are no longer rebels now, now we are redeemed. We are God's people. So, okay, now, now God can love us. Well, we, we often go astray. Even as his redeemed people. And the same love that the Father displays to the Son, the way he perfectly loves the Son, the Son perfectly loves us. Although we are unworthy, although we are unfaithful, although we go astray, he loves us in that perfect way. Not only are we, we faulty objects um, to love, but even the way that we show our love, we have degrees of love. We, we, we don't love everyone um, the same way. And, and often, the way we would determine how we love uh, is all of these kind of biasnesses that we use. Right? I, I love you because um, it's reciprocated. But um, it's hard to love someone that doesn't love you back. But God, Jesus, loves us the way the Father loved him. That, that perfect unity that they had forever, that's the way he loves us.
as we just consider that and think about the criteria we use to love. We love people determined on how they treat us. Uh, you can love someone because they're really, really loyal. Right? There are loyal people in your life, and they may get on your nerves in certain ways, but that characteristic about them is like, you know what? That person is still really loyal, and I love them that way. And because they're loyal to, toward me, I appreciate them. But we have all of these criterias. A big part of how we love um, has to do with what we need. That, that goes along with the way we love. We love imperfectly. And we look at people and determine ways to love about them, but even God, who is perfect, who has redeemed us, we struggle in how we even love him. We, we, we don't love him in the purest of ways. We, we struggle loving God even though our love for God starts with a need-based love. We, we, we need God. We, we need God before we know we need him. We need him for salvation. Oh, we need him when we're in all of these tough places. We desperately need him. Uh, the same way that a child naturally loves their mother, it starts out very much as a need-based love. I, I need you. You comfort me. You feed me. You protect me. You keep me warm. That is a need-based love. And even as adults, we have need-based loves. We turn to each other when we desire comfort, when we need someone to trust, when we have issues going on. We have a need-based love, and, and that kind of factors into, like, our whole being. Our very nature actually is a, a very vast needing that we have. And with that, knowing that God satisfies our needs, that, that God has given us things that no one else can give us, that everything actually even that other people give us still comes through the hand of God, we still have a hard time loving God well. But he loves us perfectly. He loves his children. And this statement is so profound that we should never even view it the same way again. That we are loved in the way that the Father loves the Son. That's how the Son loves us. With all that I said, 
The word of God tells us, but God, being rich in mercy because of his great love, which he loves us, even when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. As the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Remain in my love. And as we consider being loved that way, we, we have to consider who it is that is loving us that way. This is, this is Jesus. Jesus is the word, the word that was made flesh, the word of life, the word of truth. This is the light. Darkness is a universal fear because it can create spaces of danger. That, that, that's why darkness is a universal place of fear. But man has strayed from God and lost his way in the darkness of sin. But the light has come. It says in John 8, 12, that Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The light of life. This is the one who loves us. He is the lamb. When John saw him walking on the earth, he said, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. We know that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. Redemption is only found through his blood. This is the Lamb, and this is also the Son God the Father gave his son and proclaimed, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. He is the Christ. He is the master. He is the king. He is the son of man. And he is the promised one. This is the one who is loving us and who has said, as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. So as we consider what Christmas time means, it is the promise keeper revealing the promise. And that promise was, was kept. And then the next verse says, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love just as I have kept my Father's command and remain in his love. So this is where we got to be a little careful because in the English translation, trans, um, translation here, the verse sounds awkward. It, it, it could sound as if that there is a condition of love on God's part. That, that um, if you keep my commands, then I'll keep on loving you. As, as long as you're obedient, then, then my love won't cease. 
But if we read it again, it says, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love just as I have kept my father's commands and remain in his love. Well, Jesus never fails. Jesus never sins. Jesus is, is not held in a position with God where it's like, hey, uh, son, keep my commands and you remain in my love also. It, it, it's if you stay in my love, you will be obedient. This is love is not a result of our obedience. Our obedience is a result of the fact that we love him. His love is not a result of our obedience. God doesn't love us when we're obedient and not love us when we're not obedient. No, our obedience is a result of our love for him. Our response to God's grace is gratitude, which is displayed by loving obedience. You, you, you have to catch that. This is, this is saying because you are obedient and that obedience comes from you loving me, you will remain in my love. You, you, I will keep you in obedience and I will keep you in my love. It says, I have told you these things so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. We, we spoke about this last week. Through it all, Jesus, a man of sorrow and acquainted with grief, knowing pain before, beyond what any of us has ever experienced, Jesus had much joy. Through it all, you and I may weep. We will endure pain. We will suffer loss. But in the depths of our hearts and souls, there should be a spirit of joy. When you are loved and when you are in love with the Lord, the byproduct of that is going to be joy. When, when you understand the depths of the love that, the God, that God has for you, that I am loved by the Son in the same way that the Father loves his Son, it, it doesn't matter what else happens because I was a rebel because I'm unlovable, because I'm inconsistent, because I'm unworthy, and God puts his affections on me and has displayed his love, whatever else may come, my joy remains. That is a byproduct of the believer. It says, this is my command, love one another as I have loved you. How did he love you? He gave it all. He died. That's how he loved you. 
That's what he's calling us to do. Are we, are we willing to die? Are we even willing to, like, die to ourselves in situations? So often it, we find it hard to even do that. So there's a real good part here. The real good part here is I love you the same way that the Father loves me. Wow. Then there's a harder part here. Love each, each other the way that I loved you. <laughs> Be like me. The problem is we're so in love with self that we find it hard to love God properly, and he's perfect, and you're not. So to love you the way that God loves me, whew, that's the hard part. I, I, I like that other part. That's such a good part. I love you, Reggie, the same way that the Father loves me. Thank you, Lord. Now, love everyone else the way that I love you. <sighs> and in fact, that displays the way you love me back. Like across the board like everyone here, that I have different levels of relationships with. Some people you just have a great joy when you see them. Some people it's like, what now? <laughs> That's all of us. And it could be anybody like at any time, right? So it, it, it could be like I have a deep affection for my daughter. She's here playing the violin. I'm like, oh. But, but, but sometimes she could be in the what now category, right? So, so the, the deepest relationship you have could be like that. So imagine everyone else. Yeah, there's a real good part. I love you the same way the Father loves me. And we've loved each other from eternity past. Now you, you love each other in that way. Well, naturally that's impossible, but that's why we have the Holy Spirit. That's why we have the comforter, the helper, the one who brings back the word of God, the one who empowers us to do what God has called us to do. The, the one that even teaches us who God is by the Spirit so that we're able to love God and understand the depth of love that he has for us. And now, because we have that depth of love and we do have gratitude because of what God has done, surely we could extend that to each other. Your minor and what we would consider major violations for each other cannot compare to all that we've sinned against our holy and loving God. So by the Spirit and being reminded in his word and the power given to us in the Spirit, love one another.
and it displays your love for him. It says, no one has greater love than this, to lay down his life for a friend. One of the things about words and why we describe words and define words is so that um, we have the correct meaning. Because so often what we do um, is define a word the way we want to define the word. So, so we will uh, take something like uh, God is love and define what God being love means in every situation. But because God is love, he's the only one who can define what love is. We're not in the position to say, my God wouldn't send people to hell because my God is love. Well, that's not consistent with the word of God. And God's love is perfect. Everything he does is perfect. My God would allow me to love anyone that I want, any way that I want, the way that I see fit. Well, we don't get to define that. So, so just in case uh, him saying to us, hey, love one another, and then you want to determine for yourself what that may or may not mean, he gives a description. Uh, so he says, I, this is my command. It's not a suggestion. This is my command. Love one another as I have loved you. This next statement is not detached from that. No one has greater love than this to lay down his life for a friend. So, so love means go all out. Love means sacrifice everything on another's behalf. Just so we don't get the definition twisted. And then he goes on to say, you are my friends if you do what I command you. He's repeating earlier uh, about the command in, in a different way, but that's still going to be motivated by love. But now he is telling his disciples, you're my friends. The God of the universe is calling his people his friends. He, he is king, he is Lord, he is father. All of those things uh, separates him in terms of position. But now he's saying, you're my friends. Well, let, let's dig into that a little bit. He, he continues by saying, do not call, I do not call you servants anymore. Because a servant doesn't know what his master is doing. I've called you friends because I have made known to you everything I have heard from the Father. I, Father. Servants and slaves never get a reason for the work assigned to them. You do what I tell you to do. 
He performs that work because he has no choice. Not because he agrees with whatever reason he's doing the work. No, a servant or a slave follows an order. But a friend, and here we see that a confidant shares in the knowledge of the purpose of the mission. Jesus had shared with them the mind of the Father to both give them confidence and to give, to bring about success in what he has called them to do. So, so it, it, it changed everything. Before he had related to them as a master and they were his students. Now basically what he's saying to these disciples is graduation day. I'm, I'm sending you out and I'm giving you all the information that you need. I'm entrusting this to you and I'm giving you authority. And in the same way he has done that for them, he has done for us. It, it does not take away uh, his deity. I can be friends to my children and still be their father, which doesn't negate one position from the other. It just changes. So, so I might not be your friend when you're six or 16, but maybe at 26, I can be your friend because you have matured and you're put on mission. And, and so in, in some sense, it, it, it's viewed in that way. And he goes on to say, you, you did not choose me, but I chose you. I appointed you to go and to produce fruit, that your fruit should remain, so that whatever you ask for in the Father's name, he will give you. The disciples were chosen. And, and after they were chosen, Jesus reshaped them to his requirements. And, and in other words, as they walked with the Lord, in the same way for you and I, as we walk with the Lord, he's reshaping us. Thank God. Imagine we just came in the way we were, which he accepted us the way that we were and left us that way and said, okay, now go out and do my work. So all that we're going through, he's reshaping us. He's, he's changing us. He's, he's, he's putting his specifications around us and, and then saying, go out. And they would fulfill his purposes. And so do you and I. So, so then this, this other part where um, some people get excited in the wrong way, where it says, so whatever you ask for in the Father's name, he will give to you. We have to put a context to that. That's just not like a random statement for us to go around and say, in the name of Jesus, coming in here with a Honda, leaving with a Lexus. That's not what that means. The believer in Christ 
is first and foremost full of his words. He's ever conscious of his union with Christ. His, his thoughts and the burning purposes within him are filled with the words of Jesus. And they will always be in harmony with God's divine will. In other words, I've called you, I've changed you and reshaped you, and you are going to bear fruit. Within that context, what I've called you to do, you will be totally empowered to do. That, that, that's what this is speaking of. What a big deal. And then he ends with a statement he made early on. This is what I command you. Love one another. He, he says this twice, actually three times in different ways. This is what you got to catch. Christian fellowship is much more than just a casual acquaintance. Christian fellowship is much more than a casual acquaintance. I purposefully use words like brother and sister and mother when I address so many here and always call each other family because we are in this together. You're not my buddies. It's, it's much, much deeper than that. We're in a battle together. In a battle for life and death. In a battle for souls. In a battle to fulfill our own purposes, which we need one another, for our families to be saved, for our community to hear the word of God preached from the pulpit, through our conversations, in our actions. All of those things are what we're here for to strengthen one another. We are on a mission for the Lord. And we have an enemy. The devil and his cohorts are against us, but they cannot stop us. Stop looking at each other as just somebody that I see on Sunday. It's so much more than that. When he is commanding us to love one another, that does not mean say hi and put a smile on your face when you see me. It's love one another. Remembering that I love you the way the Father loves me. 
We, we, we cannot love in the wrong way. How long can love be motivated by just duty? Not long. If love and true love and godly love does not prompt all work, all work is for naught. That's what D.L. Moody said. Everything that we do should be motivated by love. God commands us to love. It is not something you feel, something that you do. The Bible is very clear. In the last days, the love of many will grow cold. That cannot be said of the church. Not God's true church. They, they asked Jesus, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. The, the main objective for the Christian is to know and love God, to love our brothers and our sisters in Christ, and to be used as an instrument of God for the lost to be saved. That, that's the objective for the Christian. We need to know and love God. As we know and love God, we're just going to fall deeper and deeper in love with him. And then because we're filled with the, the spirit, because we're maturing, that need-based love that I need you for salvation, Lord. I need you when I'm having a rough day. I need you when I'm having a great day. It, it grows past that. To, I love you, God, because you're beautiful. I love you, God, because you're good. I love you, God, because you're worthy. And when I'm filled with that kind of love, for me to extend that to my brother and sister that knows the same thing is easy. And then for me to have a compassion for those that can't see it and are blind and dying is necessary. way he loved us, and filled us with his spirit that we can go and love. First John 3 starts this way, see what great love the Father has given us that we should be called children of God, and we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it didn't know him. Dear friends, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet been revealed. We know that when he appears, we will be like him because we will see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope 
in him purifies himself just as he is pure. The Bible tells us that, but God so loved the world in this way that he gave his one and only son so that anyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Would you stand so I can pray for you, family? Father, we so thank you for this kind of love. We are so excited that you would love us in this way, God. That perfect love shared between God the Father and God the Son. The Son loves us this way. And has shown it in such a miraculous way to snatch us out of the kingdom of darkness and bring us, rescue us, place us into kingdom of his son that he loves. Oh, thank you for that kind of love, Lord. Thank you as we celebrate the king of kings stepping down into humanity to live a perfect life, a life filled with suffering and grief. But you kept your joy because your eyes were on the cross and what it would accomplish that we would be standing here this day recognizing who you are. Us imperfect beings finding it even hard to love you right. That we need your spirit to even love you to love one another. We thank you for that kind of love. We thank you that men and women are saved from hearing the preaching of the word and you opening their ears and eyes because your word is mighty to save, to snatch people that are hell-bound that deserve your punishment the same way that we do. But you changed us. Touch hearts this day. Convict sinners, Lord. Help them see their need for you and have them bow down and repent and accept your free gift of salvation this day, oh God. Eternity is real. Hell is real. We all deserved it. But you said no. I will shower on them 
the perfect love through my son that we've been sharing since eternity past. Would you do a mighty work in hearts, Lord? Do what only you can do. We thank you and praise you, and we ask that you would empower us by your spirit that in this season that we would extend love, that we would love you, that we would love one another, Lord, and that we would love the lost as we interact with people, Lord. Help us to die to ourselves, Lord, recognizing what's at stake, recognizing who you've called us to be and what you've placed in us, Lord, and empowered by your Spirit, Father, we would say your words of truth to a lost and dying world. That may be a spouse, that may be a child, that may be a stranger. Use us, Lord. And we would display your love as your people because we are so loved by you. Because you are worthy for your name to be proclaimed, Lord. Let it be shown in action and in words of truth, Lord. We thank you for this kind of love that is indescribable, that is unfathomable, but you've given it to us. Let us love one another because love is of God. And everyone that loves is born of God. We are so loved. Let us go out in love. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Oh, Father, the Lord spoke to Moses, telling Aaron and his sons, this is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, may the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look with favor on you and give you peace. Bless your people this day, Lord, keeping them so confident, ensure that the good work you started in them, that you will bring it to completion in the day of Christ Jesus. For this we celebrate you, Lord, as we walk in your victory and in your love. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen and amen.